Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. This is episode 203 of the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast, the one that doesn't suck. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I actually, I got to give props to Steve right now. I know he's humble, but what? He's, a, he's, a, he's a proud papa. His boy, Chris Reveler, is just killing it for the New York Jets. The look on Steve's face, he is angry. How many people have tagged you in that uh, Chris Reveler tweet, Steve? Deep somewhere in MetLife Stadium, there is a social media guy who <laughs> thinks I am the biggest Jets fan ever. It's been double digits for sure. And there's only like 80 tw- quote tweets on that damn thing. There's 85 and I stopped counting after I got to eight because I just, just it was mainly the first couple ones I saw. Guilty. I'm one of them. I didn't. Amazingly, <laughs> I did not. I showed restraint because I was saving it for right now. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> you can give us a follow on Twitter at BifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. You can find me at Strebler's Biggest Fan. And as always, I do not nor want nor need your pity follows at Great on Sports. Well, let's get to it. We're hitting the opening kickoff here is it fine time it's fine riders lose 28 to 10 dropping their record to five and five against the bc lions last week which is such a shame because that was a damn nice night for football that was a gorgeous night at the stadium it was perfect no wind it wasn't too hot it was nice the crowd was amped to start the game like crowd was in that game until about uh, four minutes in when BC scored on their opening drive. And that was pretty much the game right there. I don't know what to make like this, this team, Cody Fajardo got benched in the second quarter. I'm surprised they didn't even wait till halftime to do it. I didn't think Craig Dickinson would have the guts to do that. And to do it before halftime was really, really, that, that, that said a lot to me. Honestly, I thought when fine came trotting out there before the half, that they were just pulling Cody out, let him see the field. And then, it would be back to the Cody show after the half. And then when fine came back out, I'm like, Oh, well, I, I think a part of that is fine came out and marched down the field. He, he had himself a drive to close out the half and they thought, Oh, well, let's, let's see where this, where this train takes us and brought him out to, uh, to start the second. If he, if he didn't do what he did, who knows what, com- who comes out in the third quarter, but Fajardo was absolutely garbage. He had like benching him was the right call. He was going nowhere fast that night. Eight completions, 41 yards. Like it was the ultimate dink and dunk offense that just was not moving at all. They weren't getting first downs. It was, it was a trash offense. It was just, it was brutal to watch. And they, again, ignored Jamal Morrow. Yeah. He was playing through a broken hand in that game and now he's out six to eight weeks, but you ignore your best player, and they weren't getting the ball to Duke. They weren't getting the ball to KSB. They just weren't doing anything. And this offense, if you're not used to it by now, I don't know why. It's starting to turn into, you know, it's the definition of insanity. You keep expecting things to change, but they're always going to be the same. This this is a bad offense. They're going to score maybe 20 points if you're if they're lucky in a game. So it's up to the defense to really win games. What, what frustrated, frustrated me most about that is is uh, Morrow came out, had two rushes for 22 yards to start the game, and I turned to Furlan and I said, I bet you that's the last we see of him for a while. Like I, I was kidding. I thought maybe this is the game they'll finally figure it out and use the running game, but nope. What did he end up with? Six? Was it six rushes? Eight? Something like that? He had nothing after those first two. He busts off a 16-yarder and gets rewarded with no more touches. It's mind-boggling to me. It's funny. People are like, 
Cody was better under McAdoo and no one's going to admit they miss McAdoo, but at this point I miss Marcel Belfay because this offense just can't get going. Like I would would gladly take it like a hitch screen every three plays. Maybe we can actually move the ball, but Cody couldn't, couldn't find a receiver to save his life that game. We'll talk a little bit about Cody in a, in a little bit here. Um, talk, I want to talk about Mason fine uh, specifically in the second half anyway, where he actually, you know, had the touchdown drive that couple nice passes to Justin McKinnis and uh, McKinnis rewarded with the touchdown and subsequently a hurt foot who is going to keep him out this week. The final, he finally has a big breakout game and, and now he's done, but I thought fine looked like his namesake. He was fine. There wasn't anything great about him, but with that offensive line, I mean, that's, that's what you're going to get out of a quarterback right now for this Saskatchewan Rough Rider team. I'm trying to figure out what they can do to improve that old line. Like, what is it the entire line? Is it one or two? You th- we thought getting rid of Natai would help. I didn't see much of a difference, unfortunately, with Jamal Campbell there. Well, he got hurt, and Josiah St. John ended up being a, a tackle, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it was just, it was a mess. There was no time for them to get ready, and now Taron Vaughn's still not going to be ready. He's out this week, and it's going to be, and it's just, it's a mess. I don't, like, this is, Jeremy O'Day said it on the sports cage on, uh, on t- what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday night, that this is kind of our team right now. Like, there's there's not much you can do about it midseason, and, and he's right. There isn't really much you can do about it. There isn't a lot of guys out there, you know, currently salivating at the idea of playing in the CFL, not when NFL cuts are coming and, and there's practice roster spots to be had in the NFL. So you're not going to see guys come in until September, October. And even then, it's too late. The Riders made a mistake about two years ago. They At that point, they had Blake, Bledek, and Shepley um, in that rotation in the, around, the, around the center. And... Yeah, Blake's. They let Blake and Bladek go, and of course Shepley letting, going to the NFL. Like letting both Blake and Bladek go, that was that hurt. Like Shepley obviously going to the NFL, he's he's taken that, and you knew he wasn't going to be here that oh, long. He was awesome. Like you knew he was destined to play, at least get a shot down there. Totally, but letting both Bladek and Blake go when they're <laughs> both starters, like that. If if they were backups and poised to become starters, then okay, sure, I can see why. You'd let them go, and, and you can go younger and cheaper there. That's fine. But they're starters. They know your system. Like, losing both hurt them. And then, obviously, with Blue not uh, basically retiring, and Matlin Riley, which they did not expect him to retire, that put them behind. Like, it's <laughs> a, a, a position of strength is now the absolute biggest weakness on this team. And the the Blake, I can almost understand Blake. Blake has a few more years underneath him. Letting Blad, letting uh, Darius go, made no sense to me. Like he was a good young guy, seemed like to be a community guy, good fit. He was playing well, and now he's in Toronto. Like, just kills me to see that. Like he was great. I, I'd have to agree. Out of all of those, losing losing Bledek hurt a lot more than I think we expected this many years later. And they just haven't turned around and really filled the holes from everybody that's left it's going into the season when you think oh it's okay we're getting Taryn Vaughn back from a, gar- a garbage O-line we'll be fine that'll that'll fix all our issues well here we are now far and away the worst sacked against team in the league what, what do you expect we should have knew we were in trouble when they brought back JSJ <laughs> That 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 should have been the canary in the coal mine to tell us that this offensive line is not what everyone was hoping it was going to be, because the fact that they keep on bringing them back and keep on keep either healthy scratching them or making them the sixth guy, that, that tells you everything you need to know. I have no issues bringing St. John back as the sixth guy at this point in his career. He's now a veteran lineman. He's been around the league. He he gets it. He's a great guy to have as a depth piece. But they didn't add anything else. They're, everybody and their dog was calling for help on the O-line. That was the number one call all offseason. Our O-line's in trouble. Fix it. And here we are in September, coming up on September, going, hey, our O-line sucks. Can we still fix it? And we'll be saying the same thing all the way through November. 
And it won't matter who's at quarterback. This is what we're what we're gonna see. Getting back to the quarterbacks, um, I, I like I, I I don't know. Like Fajardo, is is he just like is he mentally done right now? Like is, is this a time where you need to just? It's not even about the injury anymore uh, to the knee because he's still he's moving around fine and he seems to be you know, past that, that knee injury by now, at least he can play through it anyway. But this guy's confidence is so shot right now. He called himself the sacrificial lamb for, uh, for getting benched in that game against BC. Like compare his response to, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's response, getting benched this week and on in Calgary, Bo Levi is pissed off. And, and he's making he's making all the right veteran responses. He, you know, I it's great for the team, but I'm not happy about it. No competitor would be happy about it. I'm gonna get my spot back. I'll be back on the field. That's what you want to see out of your starter if you get sat down. Not woe is me. You know, I'm the sacrificial lamb. Everything seems to be. He he seems to somebody needs to take Cody Fajardo and give him a in front of the media lesson. Because he seems to constantly say these things. Oh, like Bull Durham. He needs a Crash Davis. <laughs> You've never seen Bull Durham. I've never you? seen. Nope. Oh, my God, Steve. Jeez. <laughs> Why are we allow him on the show? Have we, had, have we had this conversation before? We have. not seen this movie. <laughs> he gives, he gives the, the, the rookie picture, pitcher uh, you know, a cliche lesson. That's how it goes. That's what he Basically. needs to do. Like, if you're not going to say the right things, it's better to say nothing at all. And he constantly is coming out here. And, you know, it was it was cute in 2019 when he was doing it, when he was saying his sprinkles, sprinkles of Jesus comments and and we were winning. You can get away with the comments, you know, the side comments when you're winning. But when you're losing, you have to be careful with what you say. Everything you say is going to be used against you. It's like. Picture yourself committing a crime. Same idea. Fans will use it just like the, the cops will. And he's he just can't seem to figure it out. And and the fans seem to be turning on him pretty quickly. Like um, when they announced the starting offense, there were big cheers for Cody. But the Boobirds came out. They were people are not happy. There's people in our section that were. Uh, there was one person I heard, oh, leave him alone. When people started booing, and then a couple guys, you know, a couple seats over, why he sucks? Uh, it's like people are turning on him. And I, I just I mean, kinda... the the backup quarterback is always the the most popular person in Saskatchewan anyway. But well, okay, I, I I want to go over that, and yes, that has been true in certain situations. However, the the fact remains, like Darian Durant, there there was the it's Tino time, it's free will. You you heard that all the time, and Darian was a good quarterback, and Darian was a winning quarterback. Cody, say what you want about his first two season or season and a half or season and a truncated season. Yeah. They won a lot. I think fans are justified wondering what's behind him right now. And I like Cody. I really do. It bugs me that I'm saying this, but I don't know if he, was he a flash in the pan? Was he a one-year wonder? I don't know. It's, it's starting to look that way. I hope that's not the case because I think he's the right guy in the right place at the right time for this franchise. But that's four out of five they've lost now. And the offense has been terrible in those games. They weren't even that good in the win. Not until the final, uh, even, even the game winning touchdown to Duke when with the, that was severely underthrown, severely underthrown. Don't tell me that was a meant to be like that. That was not. That was a bad throw. Duke made a great play, and it worked out great. But that was a bad throw. So my my question is, and maybe we'll we'll get to this a little bit later too, is how long is the leash going to be for Cody Fajardo in the upcoming game against BC in the rematch? I'll ask you guys that a little bit later on because um, I do want to get to. Um, Kind of the, the the bad story about that game was uh, Nathan Rourke injuring his foot late in the game. Now he's out for the year with a um, with the sprain on on his foot. So the biggest story in the CFL, the best thing in the CFL this year, done after 
you know, half the year, which is such a shame because he was clearly the best player in the league this year. And that sucks. I still think he's going to win most outstanding Canadian, if not most outstanding player. I don't know how you can look at those first nine games and think someone's going to catch him in, well, at least for Canadian anyway. But I'm just waiting for some mouth breather to start talking about how, how many quarterbacks the Riders are taking out. Oh, I've already seen it. I've already seen it. I, I responded to somebody who said, right, quarterbacks taken out by the Riders, two. Everyone else, zero. It's it's already begun. Yeah, that was that was a freak thing. That was just his foot got planted and, and it twisted and he got landed on. That was that was just a football injury. That happens, unfortunately. And that's all it was. But because it's the riders, of course. I, I missed it. Was Gary Marino within ten feet of him? <laughs> if he was, <laughs> I am certain there's an angle that will show that he had something to do with it. And I'm not trying to defend Garrett Marino by any means, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him too. But if Garrett Marino laid a finger on him in that play, I am surprised we are we haven't heard about it. Well, let's get to Garrett Marino right now then. Very first play of that game for the Riders on defense, Garrett Marino, or there's a, a little uh, quick pass to Lucky White. I hope everyone took the under, by the way, about how long he was not going to be a starter. Because I said it at two and a half, and it was zero because he was out of there first. He was out there. Yep. We I was wrong. Called I said it. one. I, I said it would be one play. That would be his benching, and then he'd be out the second play. But, yeah, I lost on that one. Yeah, well, um, his, his punishment was not being a starter on the depth chart, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, the first play, Lucky Whitehead gets a three-yard little hitch pass or whatever, and as he's on his way down getting tackled, Garrett Marino dives for his head clearly trying to take him out thankfully didn't hit him and the, not only that I'll, I'll i'll give garrett marino the benefit of the doubt on the uh the false start uh on the offense where the tackle moved marino went and blew up the center i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that that's just the o-line moves you go even if you know that it's going to be a penalty like against the other team yeah you do it okay i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that I think it's fine for unnecessary roughness on uh, Peter Godbear. I don't think there's really anything too terribly bad about that. That that's a like, fine for being Gary Marino. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's the thing is right now, everybody's watching you, Garrett. Everybody's watching you closer, especially when you're showing no remorse about clearly going after and taking out Jeremiah Mazzoli. Everyone's watching you. And then you pull the, this stuff and the, the hit almost hit to Lucky Whitehead. If he would have hit Lucky Whitehead, oh, another done. one of their stars would have been gone for a while because his he, that would have been a concussion for sure at the very least. But, he tor- torpedoed in head first. Yeah, but also, I uh, if, he, if he connected on that, if he did, if I'm Randy Ambrosi, you're gone. This is another deliberate attempt to injure. You cannot do that. Injuries happen, yes, but you're not going out there to try and actually take a guy's head off. And not only that, it was on the very first play after a four-game suspension. There's no heat of the moment thing there. This is not, you know, halfway through a heated game. This, this is, is the first to, play. This is him trying to trying to set the tone for himself and get back into it. And this guy's turned out to be such a meathead, such a piece of crap on the field. I could put up with a lot of stuff. If you're going to play on the edge, even past the edge a little bit, if you're a great player, if, if you're a Canadian player even, I bet you get a lot more leeway on that. But Garrett Marino, you're not good enough to, to be worth putting up this risk for. If you're going to get fined and you're going to take all these penalties and you're going to get suspended and the league's going to be watching you more and more because of this and calling way more ticky-tack things against you, you're not worth it. You're not good enough. If you're an all-star, maybe, sure. You're not. You're an average defensive lineman. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. No, <laughs> like, I don't know why I can add to that. That, that, that. that works. Uh, that but was like, pretty much exactly what I would have said. <laughs> Kudos. But, like, but for the Riders, Lanier's out this week. So, of course, you're not going to bench Gary Marino bench now. Like, you're not going to. It's, it's going to be him. Debir- it's not going to bench him. Yeah, it's going to be him, Debir, and uh, Christmas. 
It's got to be. So, yeah. I kind of want him just to take another stupid penalty just so or something. Not not to the point where somebody gets injured again, but just good riddance. This guy needs to go because he's clearly not learned anything. He's not going to learn anything. He's a piece of crap on the field. Hey. I can't tell you what he's like as a person, but he sure doesn't look like a good person. I'm when just comes saying... out and says when he comes out and says, Oh, I I I you know, haven't gotten a chance to to reach out to Jeremiah Mazzoli. How? How? Get four, Why did get nobody... weeks. Get Why did nobody weeks. press him on that? That pisses me off. Why did nobody press him on that? Jeremiah we Mazzoli could get his number. <laughs> yeah, I have Jeremiah Mazzoli's number. I could get it for you if you really, really want. Like it's very easy. Your P your PA rep, Brett Lothar, he can get you in touch with the Ottawa Red Blacks and their P, their PA rep and make the thing happen. You can contact the CFL. You can contact the PA. There are ways around it. You can go talk to Ariel Zur, your PR PR person here in Saskatchewan. Hey, can you give me Chris Hoffley's number, the PR person for Ottawa? I want to apologize on the phone or in Zoom, just something like that to Jeremiah Mazzoli. Even though it's going to be a BS apology, I still think you have to do it. But this guy cleared it, clearly doesn't care. And he's not good enough to be worth the trouble anymore. So, well, I'm like, done I with this guy. like I told you guys uh, earlier today, Labor Day and Banjo Ball are coming up. Those games are already heated, and you got that meathead on the field. Like, I have nightmares of what's going to happen. And he got suspended from the uh, Banjo Bowl last year. So, this will be a lot of these guys in, in Winnipeg's first crack at him again. Yeah, because then he got hurt after that. I don't want to say that he got hurt. So yeah, yes, you, yeah. you, you never play Winnipeg in the playoffs. Yeah. So, so yeah. I don't want to say I hope somebody takes him out, but I hope somebody takes him out because this guy, he honestly, he deserves it. All right, that's enough about Garrett Marino for me today. I'm already, I'm, I'm done with him. Um, <laughs> Gary Johnson Jr. Um, suspended by the team for an incident at a local establishment. Um, like Earl, Earl doesn't want the publicity anymore. They're just going to stop serving riders, I think, after games. No, they're not. They're the rider bar. Nothing good happens after football games. I get it, guys. Got to go out. Now, I, I don't know exactly what happened. Obviously, it wasn't bad enough where the police were called, and, and there's no charges or anything, at least not yet anyway. And unlike um, Lucia's, there's no videos. There's no videos. Gary Johnson did go to the team the next morning and said, hey, there was an incident last night. This is what happened. I'm owning up to it. So good for him for doing that because a lot of guys would try to hopefully sweep this under the rug. And chances are it was just fans getting after them. Oh, you guys got your ass kicked. You guys suck. And whatever got up in his face. Like th those people are jerks. And But you have to understand the position that you're in as a football player, especially here in Saskatchewan, that when that happens, just walk away. Just walk away. You have to. Hey, honestly, honestly, there's coaches slash GMs that didn't know that rule either, though. Honestly, <laughs> when, when I had six defensive players pop into my Uber after the game last night and the destination or at the game Friday night and the destination showed Earl's, I should have pulled over and been like, hey, can I get your actual home addresses? Because you're not going to Earl's. You're, you're not <laughs> kidding. Nothing good happens at that place. After about eight o'clock. It, it just isn't. Don't don't go there. Don't do it. And at midnight after a bad loss, when you, when you, you know, fans weren't happy, probably not your best night to be going out on the town. Riders should oh. just pull a, pull a '90s Cowboys and just rent the house and let the players go there. Keep it stocked, <laughs> and that's it. Um, one more thing uh, here on the opening kickoff uh, that we didn't get to last week because it happened obviously after we recorded. Duke Williams got fined for his nacho celebration. Um, I could rant about the GoFundMe that was started about it. I think it's ridiculous, but money was going to kids sport for it. So I'll, I'll let that go. But it was really funny because I said that, well, okay, fine. If you're going to find them, that's, that's fine. But what about the BC or what about the, the Winnipeg blue bombers when they jump into the stands? So there was actually clarification from a CFL that because Duke Williams jumped that rope, in Edmonton, then he was actually in the stands. The BC players just go up to the railing and stand there. They don't actually go into the stands, so they're allowed to do that. But hey, what about the... the guys who go into pill country? Yeah, I was going to say, what about Lothar running in the pill country? Because that's 
because that's after a game and it's and they they give a little bit of leeway because it's the home team doing it the issue here was duke doing it in edmonton if there was a drunk edmonton fan there and got up in there all of a sudden if he throws a swing at duke williams you bet there's going to be what 53 riders coming down the field and that's not something the league wants to have happen. So that's what they're trying to eliminate, and that's why they they gave Duke Williams that fine. Okay. So I'm curious if they're going to give uh, if they gave a fine to the the Montreal Alouette who uh, jumped into the stands at BC, um, just kind of, or sorry, in Winnipeg, and uh, it was the fan you could see grabbed his helmet and shoved him back. Dom Davis, came, nothing, and they did yeah, not. Nothing came of that, which was fine which was good actually, but like, that's what they want to get rid of is all oh, you're going into the opposition. Like let's, let's not do that guys. So they sent another memo out to the players reminding them of the very strict policies they have for interacting with fans. So I can't imagine we're going to see many more of those celebrations happening anytime soon. Are we going to tie a cap fan and ruin everything for everybody? No, nothing. It's not wrong. No. <laughs> Uh, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feshin of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's get to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Gentlemen, we're just a couple weeks away from the Piffle Celebrity Dunk Tank in connection or in uh, in joint with the uh, Centennial Market, raising money for CFL for, uh, fights cancer. Steve, um, a few more details on this now that we have a couple more things confirmed. Our friends over at Harvard Media are stepping up big time on this. They have, uh, what, three on-air talent joining us for this? Uh, yeah, they got uh, Chad McDonald from The Wolf. They got Mark Johnston from uh, uh, Play 92, Daniela Ponticelli from the pregame show, uh, all coming from uh, from Harvard Media uh, radio station. So that's, uh, that's a great start, great help from them. And then we got Ryan Doka. I, I think my favorite one right now for the listeners of this podcast, though, is going to be, um, and I won't even try to pronounce his last name but x pegger on twitter out of uh, out of winnipeg chris well, formerly out of winnipeg yes chris would be the name i can pronounce um he's he's coming out and there's already been a lot of talk about um people out of hamilton <laughs> wanting to auction off the first throw for for his take in the hot seat but he agreed to uh to throw in five dollars for every missed throw aimed in his direction which I thought was a great thing. That's uh, fantastic. So kudos to him for for stepping up. And we got uh, we got a, a Lions fan, our friend Jim, who's also connected with Harvard Media, uh, and uh, and Ferlin, former host, has uh, agreed to join us as well in the hot seat. So we've got uh, we we've got all all four of us are, are going to take our chances sitting in the chair and going to try try and raise some money for Alan Blair. I've got we'll a have more details on that tomorrow. I, we got a meeting with them to uh, to get everything squared away. So nice. Uh, one question: Will Jim look like an idiot? Uh, he will be in his lion's costume. I do believe. <laughs> so yes, he will yes, look like he an will idiot. look like an idiot. Yes, yes he will. <laughs> and uh, Wes Cates has agreed to uh, show up for an autograph signing there as well. And uh, there'll be some prizes and food trucks and whole bunch of other great stuff. It's going to be a great afternoon. That's uh, the Saturday of the Labor Day weekend, um, September 2nd. 3rd. Saturday, September 3rd. The 3rd. So, Ten yeah, that'll days be away. Absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to raising money. And this is for the CFL Fights Cancer um, event that happens at Great Cup every single year, which goes to the local host cities or provinces uh, just to a, to a cancer charity. And obviously this one, again, the Alan Blair uh Cancer clinic, cancer, 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 cancer clinic. center, center, center. I was, I didn't know if it was clinic or center. I should have known that. ABCC. I should have that That's my fault. Um, but yeah, that's going to uh, the Alan Blair Cancer uh, Center. So that's great. And uh, there's going to be some really great auctions and and raffles and stuff going up for prizes. We're going to have uh, not to spoil anything, but there'll be some uh, Ray Elgard and uh, George Reed stuff up for auction later on this year. So if you're coming to Grey Cup in Regina. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. So keep keep the Saturday afternoon before Grey Cup open immediately after the Spirit of Edmonton breakfast slash drunk fest. That is going to be a, such a long morning. It is a fun morning, but it's going to be a long. Morning. I did I did my first one last year, and it, it it's a time Spirit of if you if you go to one event at Grey Cup, go to the Spirit of Edmonton breakfast. There is something special 
about getting absolutely hammered at nine in the morning with all the right people. And this one will also include not necessarily the right people, but Furlan's going to do cartwheels. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that part probably the most. Uh, obviously more about Grey Cup coming up as as that nears. Um, but back to football this week, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell mentioned bench by the Stamps. Jake Mayer uh, led them to victory last week, and uh, he's going to start Thursday against Winnipeg. And my question is, the Bo era done in Calgary? I thought it was done before the season started. I believe I was on record saying he wasn't going to make it to Labor Day. And it looks like I was right. But I don't know. Um, There's a little Barry Horowitz for you. <laughs> but then again, I also <laughs> said that uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson wouldn't make it there either. and He's going strong right now, ish. ish. That's uh, a relative term. Yeah. As, as as far, as, strong as, in the East. Yeah. As far as the East quarterback goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's still, he's still moving though. Um, yeah, no, uh, Bo Levi hasn't looked the way he is, but time is undefeated. So, I uh, I think the Jake Mayer era of Calgary Stampeders is upon us. I, I have a feeling that, that we will see Bo Levi Mitchell again before the year is out. I, uh, I don't think his run is quite over yet. Um, but I, I think I think it's time for Jake Mirror to take take control because he's obviously their future there. And Bo Levi's, what, 30, 35, 36? Up there in age anyways. He's, he's got to be getting near the end of his career. So they, they got to make that decision. But, you know, I, I, I think we'll see. We'll see Bo Levi again in, behind center before the year is out. Well, after Winnipeg, they got the back and back-to-back Labor Day uh, and the rematch against Edmonton. So I'm sure at least uh, in mop-up duty, Bo Levi Mitchell will be back out there uh, in no time. Um, jumping back out to the to the Riders, uh, they announced their financials from the last year, 2021. They announced they had almost a $4 million surplus, which is great to hear with uh, considering how it was a shortened season. Um, revenues, like it was just like nobody was spending money. People started spending money in 2021, but then you had you know, the Vax Pass and everything for games, which kept a lot of people away from games and, and whatnot. So for them to make almost a $4 million surplus um, and getting back into the black is is absolutely phenomenal. And they did a lot of it through merch, which is great. Um, so in 2020, they lost just over $8 million. So if they make about $4.5 million this year in 2022, that gets them to uh, kind of even up and square up with those losses from 2020 just two years later. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And with the Grey Cup year, he'll be making that money, no problem. So I got to admit, I'm impressed they, they turn it around that fast. So am I. I. I thought it was going to be a four or five-year process to kind of get back in the black to fully pay for 2020. The fact that we might be there in two years is is beyond me. It's good on them. And, and especially considering that attendance is down, like, it's not hard. It's not hard to tell. Attendance is down, so, but they're not raising ticket prices, which is also great. And they're adding I think more it's a... so they're they're clearly listening to to the fans, and it, it's showing. The fans are the ones paying the bills. With it being a Grey Cup year in the in Regina, I think it's a virtual certainty that we'll get to get to that black mark by by the end of the season. That it's incredible. There's no other way to describe it. That's it's good to see. You need to see the the league bounce back along with us. Hopefully, hopefully some of those smaller markets can start uh, turning those big profits too, and we can get the league as a whole uh, growing. Well, that's why I think uh, the revenue sharing in the new CBA is going to help out a lot. Cause that, that, that way these teams that are struggling and the teams that are doing well, hopefully we can find a balance where the entire league can raise itself up as opposed to every year, Oh, Toronto's failing. Vancouver's failing. Montreal's failing. Like, what are we going to do? Like, it's if the league grows together, then maybe we can get get through this and make the league stronger. And uh, one more item to talk about here before our preview is the Grey Cup party passes are now available. So just like in 2013, everyone's everything's going to be at the uh, 
the cooperative center, uh, all the team rooms um, there at the uh, the Agrodome. I still call it the Agrodome, but that facility there with the brand center just outside of Mosaic Stadium, that's going to be the one place that you need to be for Grey Cup parties. So if you uh, have season tickets and you have your Grey Cup tickets purchased already, you can get this party pass now. It's 100 bucks for the whole weekend, gets you in the doors. And uh, those team rooms are always a blast. And if it's anything like the last time in 2013 here, um, you'll have all the East teams out in the small rinks there um, on the, what is that? That's the North side. Um, and those rooms were, were, were a blast. There was mega Jenga, there was air hockey tables, there was foosball. And of course, I mean, in those teams room, team rooms, it's always, you know, the cheerleaders come and do um dances and, and and whatnot so it's it's actually it's always a great time it's so i'm looking forward to that so if you have those if not september 6th uh if you're not a great cup ticket holder uh is when you can get your tickets for the great cup party pass i missed so. a lot i missed a lot of the 2013 parties i was still working on the road back then i remember 2003 parties but yeah i i missed the 2013 all, all everything at the cooperator center so i can't wait to see it this year my favorite part about the 2013 <clears throat> My favorite part about the 2013 Grey Cup was walking around with the the infamous Henry Burris sign and oh, getting God. getting Scott Schultz to uh, he he wanted to to see the sign. I traded him the sign to hold his Grey Cup, and I made a joke about uh, you know you're taking a lot putting this great or this ring in my hand, and he go he looks at me, looks back at the sign, looks at me. I have no problem catching you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's fair. But yeah, I got to trade Great Cup in Regina is an absolute blast. It's uh, if if you haven't got your your Great Cup party pass yet, do it. It's going to be a party, and I I scoffed at the price to begin with, but when you really think about it, it's twenty bucks to go into every room, anyways. So you're paying for five rooms over the course of three nights. You'll do it. But it doesn't actually include Touchdown Manitoba. Uh, they're doing their separate this year, so I think it's like thirty-one bucks or something at the door, um, thirty-one fifty for Touchdown Manitoba. Which wow, that they jacked up the price on that. Um, Another and, reason why Manitoba sucks. Um, and certainly Manitoba, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Spirit of Edmonton, they do their own thing, uh, so they're going to be probably twenty bucks, but they'll be off-site. They'll be somewhere else. So details on that are supposed to be coming uh, pretty soon in the next i think couple of weeks anyway about uh spirit of edmonton including the breakfast so yeah they said next week for that yeah look for that to come out uh let's get to the enemy preview the rematch this week riders at lions injuries 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 is the talk of this one we'll start with the bc lions nathan rourke obviously done for the year michael o'connor to start um is that the best chance here for a Riders win? Is getting the backup quarterback? I mean, again, versus having to play against Nathan Rourke again, absolutely. I I would take almost any other quarterback in the league over Nathan Rourke right now. I mean, not right now. Right now, I'd love to play Nathan Rourke in his current uh, his current <laughs> condition. But even then, I don't know. He's still got an arm. It, it sucks being excited to play against a backup quarterback, but that's where we are this season. We we need a win. And we need one badly. And that that was what we talked about beginning of the season. When you're starting Rourke and backing up with O'Connor, no one knew what they had. They went on the cheap for the quarterbacks. Rourke turned out to be a generational talent. Let's hope they made the right decision with keeping O'Connor back there. But they still got Pipkin too, and he's not exactly a tomato can either. Like, if anything is shown, the Riders have no, can lose to a third-string quarterback at a moment's notice. Against BC, no less. Remember Buck Pierce, who uh, came out of nowhere in, what was it, 2004, 2005, something like that? Spurgeon, Spurgeon win. Spurgeon win. Um, I think they were the ones that kick-started Casey Printer's career as well, too. Yeah. Um, the Riders the riders know how to lose to BC Lions backup quarterbacks. So, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them here. BC's I mean, look at what O'Connor has around him for that offense. James Butler, one of the best running backs in the league this year. Brian Burnham, the catch that he had last year. Brian Burnham's the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. Um, when he's when he's healthy, he's he's the number one to me. You got Lucky Whitehead, who can we saw take the top off a of defense last week. Oh. 
Javon Katoy is playing great. Dominic Rimes has come out of nowhere from being average at best with Ottawa to leading the league in touchdowns. This guy's an all-star this year. And like the list goes on. They're just stacked at the skill position on offense. I love how they built that roster, uh, especially around having that, you know, very cheaply paid quarterback position. Well, that's it. When, when when you're paying your quarterback a quarter, what other like main starting quarterbacks are getting in this league. Yeah. You, you can afford to do stuff like that. But even then it's not like the receivers are making huge amounts of money. Brian Burnham, probably the best receiver in the league is making one sixty. Yeah. He took, a, he, I think he signed, he, he signed too soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a steal though. So, um, but flipping over to the Riders' side with the injuries, Duke Williams out two to three weeks with a leg injury. Jamal Morrow, broken hand out six to eight weeks. Shaq Evans not quite ready, says he needs one more week to get ready. He'll be back for Labor Day. Kyron Moore sounds like he's back, which is great. I've been looking forward to seeing him back out there his first game since uh, tearing his ACL in October of last year. So It's going to be weird seeing him in number four, though. Yeah, why is Darian Durant out there running? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who brought Darian Durant's kid? Who's going to look like Dressler's kid running across the field? <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing Karan Moore and Schaefer Baker together because the two of them are absolute playmakers. And in, a, in an offense where they have to throw so many short passes, short plays, that dink and dunk crap where you need yak yards, those two guys are absolute gold. You need more of them, them more say say than a, a Duke Williams, who's your 50-50 guy deep downfield. I'm I'm excited to see those two work side by side. And that's that's one thing that has me worried with Kyron Moore coming off this injury. Is he going to have that jab step that made him the yak king for for so long with the Riders? Like that that you you gave him that short little pass, he would deke out a guy and then he was gone. Does he still have that lateral movement on that uh, surgically repaired leg? Yes, we're about to find out. So anyway, it'll be good to see him back on the field. Um, but I, I don't know who's the who's the number one because they're clearly not using KSB the way that they should be, and they're not they're like they should be peppering with targets, and they're not they're giving them three or four targets a game, and that's it. This game with with Shaq and Duke both out. They don't have a number one receiver. You have Justin McKinnis out as well, too. Like, KSB is your number one, and, and your number two is, is Kyron Moore coming back from a torn ACL. Uh, like, Tevin Jones, maybe? I don't know. Tevin Jones isn't more than a four to me. I think he's a good four as an option, but he's nothing more than that, at least not right now. Remember and at so, the start of the year when we were celebrating our receiving core? A healthy and then one, Duke yeah. got hurt and Shaq got hurt and they don't know how to use KSB and but hey Kyron Moore's back you know two weeks from now when we get Duke back as well and you've got Duke Shaq Kyron Moore Justin McKinnis and KSB that's that's a top tier receiving core I'm oh, excited I'm, for uh, I'm missing Mitch Picton right not to know how to use those I'm missing Mitch Picton right now he's also been out yep like, They've been like not that I hate it, but Hardy's been getting offensive plays because that's how thin we are at receiver right now. So that brings us to the to the quarterback position. With uh, it doesn't matter who you have on the field, can the quarterback get them the ball? Cody Fajardo will start this game, which I think obviously is it's the right call. He's your number one, but is his leash shorter now after last week getting pulled? Because I think it is. I think that leash that he had before was was a lot longer. And now, if things aren't, if they're not moving the ball, not necessarily scoring, but if they're just not moving the ball after the first quarter, I would not be surprised to see Mason fine in there in the second quarter again. This time, maybe a little bit earlier. Given how Mason fine did coming out of the 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 halftime or even just before, I I agree hundred percent with you. He showed that we can move the ball with him. We haven't seen that from Fajardo in a while. I think. He gets the first quarter, maybe a bit through into the into the second, and if things look like they did last week, they have to make a change. We cannot afford to lose this game. Not with the schedule we've got coming down over the next, you know, eight weeks to follow. 
Yeah, I guarantee you if BC once again has more yards in one play than Cody has in one quarter, um, yeah, you you staple his butt to the bench, let Fine run a couple series, and if you're unless and if Fine can't score, then you maybe throw Cody back out there to see if he's learned anything. I don't know if you pull him for the entire game, but maybe you set him aside and try to get him to see the game from a different angle. They got to do something because I don't like games on BC. They they turn wacky in a hurry, even if the writers are winning <laughs> at some point. So I I don't have high hopes for this game, even if we were healthy. All right. So with that, let's make our picks for the week. Uh, we'll start with the uh, with the the big game. Um, the first two two games that they played against each other this year have been the two best games of the season. Calgary at Winnipeg on Thursday night. I got Calgary. If Winnipeg can't be the Danny Machocha uh, Montreal team, they can't <laughs> beat Calgary with Jake Mayer. Uh It's in Winnipeg. Backup quarterback. It's Winnipeg will win. And, uh, hey, um, it was a backup quarterback with Montreal, and they won. In Winnipeg. In Winnipeg. They had a bye week. They'll, they're, they're ready. They'll be fine. Um, for the third time in four weeks and for almost the fourth time in five weeks, Hamilton and Toronto this time in Toronto. I I don't know. Pick a name out of a hat. Toronto. This, this series is just wild. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take Hamilton to punch Toronto in the throat because I still need MBT to be out by Labor Day to make my prediction true. <laughs> Um, I'll take Toronto just because they're at home. And then next week for Labor Day, I'll pick Hamilton. Um, Ottawa and Edmonton. In it's Edmonton. It's in Edmonton, so Ottawa wins. We yeah, know Ottawa this. wins. With Nick Arbuckle as the starter, no less. They finally they finally wore down uh, Lapo. They finally told yep. Lapo they have to use Arbuckle. Yeah, it's it's happening against his uh, his former coach that was doing everything he could to get rid of him with Chris Jones, and that's why I really like Ottawa in this game. So you, you he's playing the team that did ev- absolutely everything not to use him with the team that is doing everything they can not to use him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what is he like? He looks not bad as a player. Why do people hate him so much? Like, why do coaches just refuse to use him? I don't know, man. Did he just fool all of us to think he was a good quarterback? Yes, he must have. I mean, quarterback play outside of Caleros. Who is it? Derek Taylor had the had the stat. If you take away Zach Caleros and Nathan Rourke's stats from this year, oh, CFL so quarterbacks, CFL quarterbacks have seventy touchdowns and seventy three interceptions. And to me, that's the problem with the league right now. It's the quarterback play. It's not the talent elsewhere. There's enough skill position. There's good players everywhere. It's the quarterbacks. And with expanded practice rosters in the NFL, you're going to see more of those guys sticking around in the NFL on a practice roster instead of coming up to Canada and possibly turning into something. Quarterback play is so severely average at best outside of the two elite quarterbacks that there are. I know That's an issue with the CFL. I would I would argue that quarterback play is just down even in the NFL. Like you have your top tier guys, but there's a lot of guys in just you could enter you could change them out and you wouldn't notice a difference. Uh, is it is it just the fact that defenses have become so good and just offenses in general have have evolved that you don't need that elite quarterback to win anymore? Now that they switched to uh, multiple running backs where you you're no, you no longer have a dominant running back anymore either. Like everyone's interchangeable. Yeah. Your quarterback's there. You've got a lot more option plays. You got a lot more movement and defenses are just so much better. Yeah. You don't quarter quarterback play is slowly on. It's not what it used to be. And yeah, there they are in the NFL making five million dollars <laughs> for average quarterback. Play. Well, you know what Fantastic. I mean. Fantastic. You know what I mean. <laughs> I know. No, I know. I mean, that's what the market dictates. That's that. That has nothing to do with how good they actually are. That has to do everything with commodity, right? Like that's that's econ one hundred and one, supply and demand. 
but Tom, Tom Brady was is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL, and he was never a top ten paid quarterback in the league. That's all you need yeah. to know about what they get paid. But that that's because he didn't need to take the money because his wife is the breadwinner winner in that relationship. But even he then, could leave wait, a ton of money on the yeah, table. But also true. But even before even before that though. He was leaving money on the table to make sure he had people around him. He had rookies coming, uh, rookie quarterbacks getting paid more than he was without taking a snap. Yeah, it's because he wanted to win. Yeah, and then, and then after that, he could afford to. Yeah. Um, and uh, Saskatchewan at BC, the last game for us to pick this week. Backup quarterback in BC, man, BC, BC all the way in this one. <laughs> Games in BC, like. I remember the Riders up by three touchdowns with less than three minutes and losing. So I, I don't trust the game in BC. I'm picking the Riders because I'm a homer. With your, with your fancy green glasses. Exactly. Can't, can't go against the green now. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how we do next week here on the Piffles podcast. That's going to be up for it for us this week. Uh, we're clearly making Steve tired as he's yawning. So I think that means it's time to go to bed. Uh, Piffles podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. And thank you, my Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Piffles podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The Ghost be-